This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We used, uh, started using as a text scripture in the beginning of this series, Psalm 77, verse 14, where David writes and says, Thou art the God that doeth wonders. That word wonders is also translated miracles. Thou art the God that doeth miracles. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. A miracle is the declaration of God's strength among his people. Now, there are several definitions that we could use and, and have, have mentioned concerning miracles. The, uh, the general definition in church circles is a miracle is um, divine intervention into the ordinary course of nature. Someone has expanded on that or, or changed it a little bit. It's really the same meaning, but just different words, where God injects into the physical realm something from the immaterial realm. I like that because that causes me to realize and be aware that the, the spiritual realm, the unseen realm, is just as real, in fact, even more real than the material realm, the physical realm that we dwell in. It's easy to forget that. It's easy to get caught up in the things of life and bills and aches and pains in your body and difficulties in relationships and interactions with other people. It's easy to forget that the unseen realm is more real than that which we can see. But the Bible says that everything that we see in this material and natural realm was created by something that was unseen. Well, that which creates is greater than that which is created, which means the unseen realm is greater than the seen or the material realm. Now, the question, I mean, we could talk about uh, and, and excite ourselves about the things that God has done, and, and there's certainly benefit in that. But the bigger question for me is why. I always want to know why. I've always been that way. I don't just want to know what. I want to know why. Well, why miracles? Why does God do miracles? What's the purpose for them? We saw in Num Numbers chapter 14, verses, uh, well, verse 11, and then uh, a few verses later on in the chapter, the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me, and how long will it be before they believe me? For all the signs which I have shown them. Verse 21 and 22 go on to say, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. So we see from the Old Testament that God said, these are the words of the Lord himself. God said that miracles were intended to make you believe. Well, believe what? In their case, believe his voice, believe his word. Miracles are not an end in themselves. Miracles are designed to communicate. Now, we saw over and over again, beginning with the, uh, the miracles in, uh, in Egypt, the, what's commonly known as the ten plagues, really it was nine plagues, and the death of the firstborn. We saw that each of those nine plagues was a judgment, God's judgment upon one of the, the gods of the heathen, the Egyptians in this case. And we saw that pattern re uh, repeated over and over again throughout the Old Testament. Time and time again, God would do something to exact judgment or execute judgment upon one of the gods of the heathens, the heathen people, to show that he was the most high God, to show that he was the power that created the universe, the creator of the universe himself. And over and over again, God did that. Now, that's not the only reason that he did miracles. 
We saw miracles of protection for his people and provision for those that feared his name and, and so forth. Number of other reasons and causes. But over and over and over again, the, 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 underlying, the underlying theme is that nothing's too hard for God and that he can be trusted. And so uh, consequently, in the teaching of faith, we see that many of the people that were healed in Jesus' ministry were healed on their own faith. At least Jesus credited their faith as the healing agent rather than the power of God, which just simply means that their faith activated the power that was available. But so often people will come to the place where the, the devil will bring them under condemnation or at least attempt to. And their, their question is, do we have enough faith? Pastor Mike, I don't know if I have enough faith to receive my healing. Well, if you think about it, it's really not a matter of can, do you have enough faith or can you believe enough? The real question is, is God honest? Because if his word says something is so, then the question very simply becomes, is God honest? Did he tell the truth? Miracles are designed for us to see the power of God, to see the mercy of God in action, his willingness to show himself strong on behalf of his people so that we would know that God is honest and accept him at his word. For me, that helps. When I think of things in simple terms, I, I'm sorry, I'm just a simple guy. But when I think of things in simple terms, that helps me because I'm just like you and everybody else, I guess. The devil tries to, to twist you up in knots mentally. If he can trap you in his mind games, many times he can defeat you. But if we realize that it comes down to one simple thing, one simple truth, and that is God is honest. If he says so, he means so. That's what miracles were designed in the Old Testament to do, to cause the people to believe his word. Miracles were not an end in, in, in and of themselves. They were designed to make God, the people of God or enable the people of God to believe that God was honest, to trust his word. Well, what about in the New Testament? Does God change from the Old Testament to the New Testament? No, but many things about what belongs to us does. Many of those things change. The New Testament miracles are designed to communicate just like in the Old Testament. Well, what are they designed to communicate? Well, let's start reading some scripture. In Mark chapter 6, verse 49 and 50, it says, But when they saw him, Jesus, walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Verse 51 goes on to say, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, verse 52, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, for their heart was hardened. Now here's a case where the Bible's telling us that they were supposed to learn something from a miracle that would have helped them. They're in the middle of the sea. They're afraid they're going to drown. Jesus comes walking on the water. They're afraid to see him. He cries out and says, don't be afraid. It's just me. Naturally. That's where I always expect to see Jesus when I get out in the middle of a lake. But please notice the, the, the emphasis behind this. Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's just me. Sure. He came up into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were amazed because they didn't learn from the miracle. What are, what's the, the truth here? What's the takeaway for us? 
we should never be amazed because all things are possible with him. John 2, verse 23, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his names, in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. The miracles caused them to believe in his name. John chapter 3 and verse 2, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He learned that God was with Jesus because of the miracles. John chapter 6 and verse 2, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did upon them that were diseased. People followed Jesus because they saw his miracles. So they communicated something. At the very least, that he was worth following. John chapter 6, verse 14. Then these men, which they had seen the miracles, talking about the loaves and the fishes, that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, meaning the Messiah, that should come into the world. So the miracles, the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, multiplying the loaves and fishes and feeding the 5,000, convinced many that he was the Messiah. John chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus answered another group and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. You're just here for another free meal. What they learn from the miracles? Nothing. John chapter 7, verse 31, And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ comes, will he do more miracles than these which this man has done? John chapter 9, verse 16. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. John chapter 11, verses 47 and 48. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What will we do? For this man doeth many miracles. Oh, woe is me. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans will come away, come, shall come and take away both our place and our nation. Can't have miracles. That's a political problem. John chapter 12, verse 17. The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. For this cause the people also met him for that they had heard he had done this miracle. That drew the crowds. John chapter 12, verse 37, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. John chapter 15, verse 24, Jesus said, If I had not done... He's talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. He said, If I had not done among them the works which no other man did, they would have not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. He said the miracles were that which would convict man of his own sin. John chapter 20 and verse 30. John is closing out the, the gospel that bears his name. And he said, in many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. We don't have a complete picture of everything Jesus did from the gospels. But these are written, verse 31, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and that believing you might have life through his name. John tells us why the Holy Ghost inspired him to give us record of the miracles which he did. And, and he really gives us a bunch. Many of them that the, that the other gospel writers do not re- record or give us record of. And what did he say the reason was? He said, but these are written. These miracles are written down or are communicated to you. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. And that believing you might have life through his name. So what's he saying? He's saying the reason for miracles, according to the Holy Ghost through John's writings, the reason for miracles is to convince us that Jesus is the Son of God and thereby enter into the kingdom of heaven. Can I ask you a question? Were miracles intended to end? Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Folks, realize that every work that Jesus did was miraculous, although not everything is identified as a miracle. For example, we can see the difference between a healing, something that someone amends, a condition that someone amends or recovers from, and the difference in that and turning water into wine or walking on the water or multiplying loaves and fishes. It's easy for us to see the difference in, in some cases at least, the difference between healing and, and, uh, and miracles. But realize even healing, even a natural recovery is a miraculous act. Now, folks, everything we've got in the medical science realm, everything that we have in the medical science realm is simply trying to aid the body in its natural healing process. And in many cases, medical science concerning surgeries and and the like, many medications and such, it's trying to remove the barrier that prevents the body from the natural healing process on its own. Whether it be a cancerous tumor or whatever the case is. But the body is designed in a miraculous way. It's designed to heal itself. But even in cases where Jesus ministered healing and people just recovered, not a case of instant healing, but they recovered. It was the touch of Jesus' hand or the speaking of the words of Jesus himself that caused that natural healing process to either accelerate or whatever barrier was keeping the natural healing process from taking place to be removed. Everything Jesus did was a miracle in the, in the general sense. Now, these things were not exclusive to Jesus when he was here on the earth. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against or over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Just a little while later in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is speaking to the 70. 
He said, and into whatsoever city, this is Luke 10, 8, into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. They returned in verse 17 with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Mark 9, verses 38 and 39 tell us that it wasn't even limited to Jesus' group. And John answered saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he follows not us. He's not part of our group. That means he's not certainly not part of the 12. He's not part of the 70. He's not part of the ones that hang around Jesus. Most Bible scholars agree that it was anywhere from 100 to 150 people around Jesus most of the time. That he was pr- primarily responsible for their care. He said, we told him, we forbid him because he followed us not. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name and can lightly speak evil of me. So Jesus called casting out devils a miracle. And according to the words of Jesus, these miracles were intended to continue. John chapter 14, verse 11 and 12, speaking to his disciples, he said, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. Believe in who I am for the miracles, if nothing else. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus seems to be indicating, this is right before he goes to the cross. This is the night that he's betrayed. He seems to indicate that he expects the miracles to continue after he goes to the Father. This is further confirmed in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where Jesus following his resurrection after he's breathed on them and told them to receive the Holy Ghost after the the disciples have been born again he tells them but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. What does that mean? I like the way John Osteen used to say this. I, I just this, this stuck with me the first time I ever heard him say it. He's telling Jesus is telling his disciples after they're born again, don't even think about having church without the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Ghost is poured out in Acts chapter two. Peter begins to preach to the crowds, and he says in verse twenty-two, "You men of Israel, hear these words: Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs." which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Miracles are God's sign of approval. That's not the only one. Paul wrote to the Timothy and he said, show yourself approved, study and show yourself approved, a workman that's fit for the work of the ministry by rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 43 tells us what the results of these things were, the preaching that Jesus did miracles, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Folks, I want you to notice God's pattern. Preach that Jesus did miracles and then do them yourself. In case you're wondering why we're preaching on miracles. This is God's pattern. Jesus did them. The power of the Holy Ghost has come upon the church. So the work that was intended to be done is to continue in miracles. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 16, the council after the, the, the disciples, Peter and John, healed the cripple at the beautiful gate. The council said, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them, is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. Now, folks, this is just me. This is just my human thinking. But there's something about this that makes me think God gets a special charge out of notable miracles that men can't deny. Now, now notice something else about this, and that is even as we saw some scripture that showed that, uh, that Jesus didn't hog the miracle power for himself, that is so far into our natural way of thinking. Lord, I, I, use me. I want to do miracles. I don't want the other guy down the street to do miracles. I don't want everybody else to do miracles because then it won't look like I've got something special. But that's totally opposite the way that Jesus operated. That's natural human thinking. That's trying to make a name out of the things of God for yourself. Jesus had the monopoly on miracles. And what did he do? He made a way for everybody else to use them too. Did others using the power of God, doing miracles in Jesus' name, was that, did that in any way diminish people believing that Jesus was the Messiah? Didn't seem to. It just spread the results around so that more people were exposed to the truth. What if his attitude is the same about that now? We have no reason to think it's otherwise. Acts chapter 4, verse 30, after the council lets Peter and John go, they go to their own company, and they pray a prayer that the Holy Ghost saved us. Now, I'm one to think that God saves prayers that were prayed according to his will and not ones prayed according or against his will. And here's their prayer. Lord, grant unto thy servants boldness by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. What was the result of that? Verse 33 says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. What did that power look like? Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Goes on to tell how the, the, the casting of Peter's shadow, the overshadowing of Peter, just Peter walking by and his shadow falling on the, the, the crippled and the lame caused them to be healed. Now, folks, remember Acts 1 8 says, Jesus said this. This is not the church. This is not church doctrine. This is Jesus' words. Jesus said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. You want to know what a witness looks like? God gives you a definition right here in the Bible. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the Lord Jesus, of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Have witnesses changed? Does God mean something? I mean, a lot of the church talks about going witnessing. A lot of the church world talks about being a witness for Jesus. Does that mean something different than, than God when God first said it? I don't mean to us. I mean to him. Does he consider a witness to be something different today than what he considered when he said it himself? It wasn't just limited to the hands of the apostles either. Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. 
you go back and look at the, the, the surrounding scriptures, you'll find out that, that uh, Stephen was simply a deacon in the church. That means an usher. He's serving tables. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was a low position. It was an esteemed position. The qualifications were high just to serve tables. Full of wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. Had to have a good reputation. But not a special call to the ministry. Acts chapter 8 and verse 6. Philip, another one of the ushers, the deacons, goes down to the city of Samaria. And it says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. He's not an apostle. This idea that miracle working power died when the last apostle did, the apostles weren't the only ones to use it. If it was theirs and theirs alone, it wouldn't have worked for anybody else in their day. If the intent of miracles in the early days of the church was to prove that the apostles had power, why did people outside the apostles have it? Paul says of his own ministry in Acts 14, or I'm sorry, it speaks of Paul's ministry in Acts 14, verse 3, in the city of Iconium. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Wasn't limited to a place either, was it? Paul says of his own ministry in Romans 15, verse 19, through many signs and through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul said to fully preach the gospel. He said the full gospel is with mighty signs and wonders. Paul says of his own ministry again, second, in, uh, I, I skipped one, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. Paul writes, showing the attitude of miracle-working power, he writes to the Galatians, He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now notice Paul doesn't say those special ones that work miracles. He didn't say in case an apostle comes by and does does a miracle. How is he doing it? He talks about it as if it could be anybody in any situation at any time. He that ministers the Spirit, anybody can do that. Anybody can get somebody filled with the Holy Ghost or saved, whichever way you want to interpret that. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And notice he equates that with the working of miracles. They're just as prevalent. If this was inspired by the Holy Ghost, then God expects it to be just as prevalent, just as commonplace. as Someone ministering salvation or the baptism of the Holy Ghost to someone else. 2 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul speaking of himself, he said, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Furthermore, he tells us by the Holy Ghost how God has established things in the church. Not just with the twelve, not just with the special ones that were called in the days of the early church. He tells us how God set things up, the organization that God set things up for the body of Christ that includes you and me today. God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God 
and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. And if he's committed sins, they shall, 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 not might, not we hope so, shall be forgiven him. So please notice the same prayer of faith that brings healing is the prayer of faith that brings forgiveness of sins. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.